am Dr. Thomas Slavin, Senior Vice President of Medical Affairs for Myriad Oncology. Welcome to Inside the Genome. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have Sue Friedman. She's the Executive Director of the Hereditary Testing Patient Advocacy Group Facing Our Risk of Cancer Empowered, also known as FORCE. FORCE advocates for families facing hereditary breast and ovarian cancer in areas such as access to care, research funding, insurance, and privacy. We also have joining us co-host Shelly Cummings. She's a genetic counselor and the Director of Medical Affairs at Myriad Oncology. Well, thank you both for joining us. So Sue, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be in the role that you are at FORCE. Thank you. Um, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me to speak about something I'm really passionate mm -hmm. about. Um, I was actually a practicing veterinarian when I was diagnosed really out of the blue at age 33 with breast cancer. Wow. I didn't have a large family history of cancer, um, but I didn't have a large family either. So, you know, that's not unusual. And it was very fortunate. I was proactive with my health and they thought they caught it relatively early. You know, I was treated for what was DCIS or early pre-invasive cancer with a unilateral mastectomy. And it was only after that, that I was reading an article about hereditary cancer and learned about BRCA1 and 2. And which back then, you know, it was pretty early because that was 1996. But I was reading this article and realized that I met a lot of the criteria for genetic testing, you know, young onset breast cancer, it's like 33, okay. Ashkenazi Jewish people being, you know, having a high prevalence of it, which was all, the whole thing was new to me. And then it was really the, the fact that it could pass down from the mother or father side of the family and that it was related to ovarian cancer too, that really just stopped me dead in my tracks because my paternal grandmother I had known had died of some type of abdominal cancer. And as a veterinarian, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they had called it kidney cancer, but I figured it was yeah. probably ovarian. So I realized I need this test. And so actually soon after that, I ended up with a recurrence to my um, lymph nodes and I ended up at a comprehensive cancer center and I told them I, I'd like testing and they said, no problem. And so make a long story short, I found out that I had a BRCA2 mutation. And after I finished treatment for my recurrent cancer, I also had risk-reducing surgery and I had to make a lot of decisions. And there were a lot of things that I was facing that were very different than uh, other people I met that were survivors, even other young survivors, just the idea of, you know, do I remove my other breast? Mm -hmm. Do I remove my ovaries? What do I do about my wrist? How about my son? And so there were a lot of things I had to think about that, you know, there was this huge unmet need. And so after I finished treatment, I started what was an online group and it grew because there was such a need. And over the years, eventually I ended up giving up my veterinary career. There were a lot of great veterinarians out there, but there was only one organization on a national scale advocating for the hereditary cancer community. So that I started as a vet and then a patient and then a yeah. patient advocate and now an executive director. And that's how FORCE started. Oh, that's amazing to see it from the, you know, very inception. Yeah. In 1996, I mean, yeah, that was, you know, guidelines were just being developed on how to take care of BRCA1 <laughs> and 2 carriers and everything. So yeah, you were at the forefront. So you were the driving force behind FORCE. <laughs> 
Yeah. And actually, so we didn't start until 1999. You know, by the time I finished treatment, it was late 1998. And I had my prophylactic surgeries in 98. Actually, it was New Year's Day, 1999. It was technically 1998, a few seconds before midnight when I started the message boards that became force. And very soon after that incorporated and then we grew. And so literally I started out of my garage and now 21 years later, you know, we have 13 full-time staff were recognized as a premier organization for hereditary cancer. So it, it's really been an amazing path and journey for me and a complete career change. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right. For being a veterinarian. And when it first started, what were the current goals and what would you say the current goals are now? How has it changed over oh, the years? Wow. Really the decades, <laughs> yeah. I guess. It, it has been decades. It's, it's crazy. I mean, then the time has flown. Uh, really, initially, it was to help inform decision making. And it, back then, it was really mostly women. I mean, of course, we knew that mutation could be passed from fathers or mothers to sons and daughters. And I got my mutation from my dad. But there wasn't really as much clinical application yet for the men. So a lot of it was messaging, educating the community so that they could get support and the information they needed to make good decisions that were right for them. Because a lot of it, like you said, there weren't a lot of guidelines. And where there were guidelines, there were a lot of question marks like, you know, when's the best time to have risk-reducing surgery or what is the best screening? So it's been pretty incredible to watch those guidelines evolve and become more clear for people. And and that helps with the decision-making. And then it was making sure people had access to care, knowledge, a lack of awareness. We knew that so few people who met guidelines were actually getting genetic testing. And so just making sure that we could close that gap. And then as the years have evolved, some of the more exciting things like PARP inhibitor research yeah. really was part of what prompted us to really go into helping with research. So research collaboration, helping enroll people into research, because one of the things that we heard was that um, the researchers were having a hard time identifying those people who would qualify for these PARP inhibitor studies. And we knew if they couldn't meet enrollment challenges, then we would miss an opportunity for new treatment. So that has been incredible and gratifying to see. I think, you know, part of it has been as there's been more panel testing, we know that there are other mutations and just making sure that people with some of these other mutations that have been found like ATM and PALB2, that they can also get that information and resources and support. Mm -hmm. So initially we were education and support and then moved into policy and advocacy and research. And now it's really all of those things, but expanding who we're reaching. It's men it's women, it's all of the high-risk genes. One of our most exciting initiatives that we've already embarked on, but that we're gonna be rolling out this year is we're really changing our mission to expand from just BRCA1 and 2 and even you know ATM and PALI2 to incorporate really the adult hereditary cancer syndromes, making sure that we have good content for breast, ovarian, pancreatic, prostate, but also colorectal and endometrial cancers, yeah. Um, yeah. especially endometrial cancer. You know, there's a lot of unmet need there. 
um, and making sure that we're providing resources and advocacy and support and promoting research for people with one of the genes associated with Lynch syndrome. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that that encompasses yeah. and there's still a lot of unmet need there. And, you know, we have the capability and the programs to scale to reach those people and work with some of the groups that already exist that are doing a great job to reach even more people. Yeah, it's definitely much lighter on the hereditary colon side than it is on the hereditary breast side for patient advocacy. So I mean, that's that's yeah. impressive. I'm curious, Sue, I know that FORCE has been an active organization for many years, and I relied on it a lot when I was seeing patients. And a lot of your activities have been remote. You know, you have a major conference that's a fantastic venue. But now that we're in this environment with coronavirus, I'm curious to hear how that has affected your force community in different ways or how you have adapted to that. Yes, thank you for that question. It clearly impacts everybody. I mean, across the board globally, not just the hereditary cancer community and not just the cancer community, but you're right, there's been a lot of impact. You know, organizationally, our annual conference for our community, but also for our staff, for our volunteers is a way for all of us to get together and re-energize and see our friends and the people that we haven't seen. And for the members of our community, it gives them access to world experts. And, yeah. you know, as you probably know, Mary has been a supporter of every one of our conferences and we really appreciate that. So it was devastating for us to have to cancel the conference and you know our plan is to reschedule but we need to reschedule it when it's safe. So that alone has had an impact on the organization and and I, I would if I may like to have a shout out for Marriott because you have been working with us to allow us to use the support as a gold sponsor for a conference to sponsor some of the digital support and learning programs that we're planning. So one of the things that we had to do early on was, you know, we have groups that meet in 50 cities across the country and provide in-person support. So we're really trying to pivot that to Zoom-based support meetings, doing a lot more outreach and networking mm -hmm. digitally and virtually. And our team, our staff is very well equipped to do that because we have always worked remotely, but really extending that to making sure that we're reaching out to the community. We're also trying to do more with webinars. We had our full speaker list. I mean, we were just a couple of months out from the conference and we had to cancel it. So we do have expert speakers lined up and planning on doing webinars throughout the summer and into the fall. So we really appreciate the support to do that. But the one thing we've been doing right now is making sure we're addressing some of the immediate needs around the pandemic and things like risk-reducing surgeries being canceled, people in treatment mm -hmm, yeah. having their treatments changed. And one of the things that we notice our team has seen is a lot of questions specific from the hereditary cancer community about things that are specific to hereditary cancer, like, you know, I have a mutation, does that put me at higher risk? Or what kinds of treatments are PARP inhibitors? Mm -hmm. Do they affect our my immune system? Does immunotherapy affect my immune system? What does it mean to have to put off my screenings for six months until it's safe? Yeah. So we've done a series of webinars addressing that for each of the different hereditary cancers. And we're continuing with that, including bringing in Karen Hurley, who's a psychologist who 
has expertise in the hereditary yeah. cancer community to talk about what it's like to have that second helping of stress on top of being someone who's dealing with hereditary cancer. So yeah, um, there's been a lot. Yeah, she is. And there's a lot. We've been doing a lot. It's certainly impacting our community and we're doing everything we can and our team has been working nonstop to try and make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community in real time. Well, it sounds like you're doing it. And when it comes to the content, so it sounds like for patients, there's uh, certainly a lot of offerings and direct channels to try to ask questions. What about for physicians? So we actually have a CDC grant that will allow us to offer continuing education for certain segments of the healthcare provider community. And so we're working on that content as we speak. We don't do a lot of continuing ed, but you know, mm-hmm. we work with a really large and expert scientific advisory board. And um, many of them have been the people who have been providing the content for the webinars. And you know, one of the things that they're telling us is that it, it is really stressful to care for patients who have all this anxiety right now. So they appreciate us helping their patients understand some of the changes that are happening in scheduling, some of the changes that are happening in treatment and why it's happening and give them the opportunity and the platform to address the community and let people know, hey, we still care about you. We're not trying to dismiss your concerns. We're trying to make sure that we're keeping everybody safe. You shared a little bit of your plans for the future to expand to some of the other hereditary cancers that are a focus beyond breast and ovarian. Does FORCE have other initiatives that they're focusing on that you want to share with us? Sure. You know, part of it, the biggest push is to make sure that all of our programs are encompassing gene mutations that we haven't necessarily traditionally covered, like Lynch syndrome starting with the most common cancers within Lynch syndrome, so incorporating it into every single one of our programs. So it's not just a mission change, it's making sure that like our X-ray, which is behind the headlines program, Mm -hmm. also incorporates endometrial cancer, colorectal cancer, our peer navigation program, making sure we have enough volunteers across the different cancers because we match people by gene mutation and cancer. So a lot of that will take up much of the rest of the year to make sure that we have the content right and that we can integrate it into each and every one of our programs. Some of the other things that we're starting to do, we're going to be translating some of our x-ray articles and reviews, again, our Behind the Headline program into Spanish and working with some groups um, on Spanish language content. At the conference, our plan was to do a Spanish language program as we had done in 2018. And with the cancellation of that, we're also looking at doing Spanish webinars. Those are the things kind of keeping our hands full right now. And then, you know, as far as the future, a lot of it is about digital transformation, which makes sense, incorporating videos more seamlessly into the website and video type content, whiteboards and animation and regular webinar type videos as well. So, you know, we're working on our five-year plan and a lot of that is really Again, making things digital and more turnkey so that when we update something in our database, it gets updated everywhere on our website. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have plenty to do, <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any you know, messages that you want to convey to patients right now who might be dealing with a new hereditary cancer diagnosis or any, any places that you'd like to direct them to? 
Well, certainly facingourrisk.org is a good place to start and just mm-hmm. making sure that they know they're not alone. We have hundreds of volunteers across the country ready and willing to provide support. We have over 400 pages of expert-reviewed information that's now being updated. And, you know, when we do launch our new website, will be even easier to navigate. But right now, we have a lot of information. Clinical trials, I would encourage people to look into clinical trials for prevention, for treatment, for quality of life, registries, do what you can to enroll in research because really literally for our community, you know, participating in research is always an altruistic thing, but when it's hereditary cancer research study, Mm -hmm. you're literally, you know, affecting the future of your relatives as well as the community. So, yeah, well, there's lots to do. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being on our podcast. You are definitely the uh, power behind force, no question. And also, uh, I've got an amazing team of um, 12 colleagues that work full time with me. And they, you know, they are behind the scenes, but they are powerhouses too. So shout out to them. Yeah, it's, great. it's been great yeah. talking to you, Sue. Absolutely. And thanks. Thank, thank you, for, you for inviting me. Yeah. And thank you for your partnership and support. We greatly appreciate it. We're very excited about some of your initiatives and participating in those as well. So thank you for including us. Yeah, we have a common goal. And thank you for being on, Shelley. You're welcome. <laughs>